0: As The children are making their way back to church. Just want to say again, Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Glad that you're here worshiping with us on Mother's Day. Today we're going to close out 1 Corinthians 16. So if you have a Bible or have something that you can pull up, 1 Corinthians 16. We're going to start in verse 12. So I encourage you to. Join with us, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 12 through 24. Before we get going, we'll uh, just pray a little bit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to open your word together with our brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray that your word would um, go out That your word would be heard, that your word might not only just be heard, but that we might actually be obedient to your word. That we would not just hear your word, but actually do what it says. As we look at 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is writing his final instructions to the church at Corinth and imploring them to live out their lives generously with one another. Not just in material things, but in life. In loving one another, in caring for one another, in teaching one another, in training one another. God, would you help us to hear your word today and not just let it affect us, but let us go and share it and change the world with it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I have a couple sticky notes here I'm just going to take out. As we read God's Word, I hope you will um, know that this truly is the Word of God, that this has been kept for us all of these years, that we might read it together here this morning, that as we read God's Word, this is uh, God speaking to us here at New Hope Presbyterian Church. And the encouragement that we receive is to edify our souls, to encourage our hearts that we might be moved to action, that we would actually uh, do words say, that we would be obedient to the scriptures in our thoughts, in our words, so hear the word of the Lord this morning. Now concerning our brother Apollos. I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers. But it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanas... Were the first converts in Achaia, and, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and, and Achaeus, because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such men. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church and their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, Blessed be the reading of God's Word. As we look at this passage today, I really uh, think that Paul is encouraging us to remember some truly important truths about who he is, where the church is and what the church is supposed to be doing. I think Paul wants to leave us eager to accomplish the mission of God. Paul is eager to see that the that God has called him on succeeds. Paul continues to uh, press upon the church three very important things that he wants them to know. You see this in his writing over and over and over again. And we see it again here today. You may be like, oh yeah, I knew that. I hope so. Now I want you to do it. There's a big difference, church. Listen to what Paul says. He's saying, I want you to learn to love the Lord with ferocity. That's what we're going to see today. He wants us to learn to love God uh, with every part and every fiber that we have. He wants us to love the people that God has put into our lives. And the, and the third thing is he wants the church to continue being the church. Continue training and encouraging and disciplining and discipling one another until the day of the Lord. That's what Jesus said, isn't it? When they said, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, well, there's really two. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. The second is like it. Love your neighbor like yourself. How do you do that? How do you love somebody with everything that you have? How do you love the Lord with everything that you have? God has set in motion His church to accomplish both of those tasks. If we truly believe that the greatest problem that faces humanity is the problem of sin, if we truly believe that those who have not accepted Christ will spend eternity suffering, suffering, separated the love of God and experiencing the wrath of God for all eternity if we truly believe that uh, our family and our friends and our coworkers and all of the people that God has put in our lives will face this and there's only one hope there's only one hope That's to love them. Paul says in this passage in the very center of what we're going to look at today, let all that you do be done in love. And if you truly love somebody, you're going to share the gospel with them in the way that you think, in the way that you talk, in the way that you act. It's just going to be who you are, church. Look at verse 12 with me. In our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come and he has opportunity. If you remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul was admonishing the church for divisions in the church. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. been very easy for paul just to have dismissed apollos and and just said oh he's not that important i'm not going to invite him to come and be with you and teach you and admonish you and encourage you but paul knew that it's not just one type of teacher that is needed in the church there's so many different personalities that God has given us in the church. There's so many different people that, with different gifts of different types of teaching that God has given us. And Paul is encouraging Apollos to come and visit the church again. The word brother. Paul was thoughtful and kind enough to reach out to Apollos. Even reported back in a kind manner to the church at Corinth, I've reached out to Apollos. I know that you have loved this dear brother. I know that you have loved this dear teacher and right now he cannot come back. But as opportunity comes, he will be back. Think about some of your favorite teachers. Think about how they've encouraged you through the years. Think about how um, God has used them at pivotal points in your life. I think this is a way of Paul was encouraging the church to say, he's not there now, but he's there. He wants to be here. He's not here physically. I'm not there physically. But we are encouraging you, church, continue on. God is showing us, I think, through Paul, through Paul's writings, it's not who's here. It's not who's standing here. It's it's what they're proclaiming here. See, Apollos was teaching the Word of God. Paul was teaching the Word of God. And Paul was telling the church, it's not me. It's not Apollos. It's Christ. not there right now, but, but Christ is. And we're you in Christ be encouraged church I also just want to mention there's a lot of names in our passage today and I would love to spend uh, 10 minutes or so going through each and history and telling you the importance of that name and we just don't have that luxury this morning but I want you to know that Every time somebody is mentioned by name, I think it's very important that we take note of it. I would encourage you to go home and and to spend some time just studying where these people were from and why that might be of encouragement to the church at Corinth. But I I think that it just continues to the fact that Paul is encouraging to understand our faith is bigger than us. What happens when you start infighting? What happens when you start arguing with somebody? When you get one-on-one with somebody and you just get engaged in that personal battle, you lose sight of the reality of who you are and whose you are and what you really should be doing. And Paul is saying, listen, there's churches over here praying for you. others over here that want to come and encourage you. You are not the only church in the existence of humanity. Get over yourselves. Right? New hope. We, we've got to get to a place where we understand God has, has sent us encouragement from all over. We pray for the churches in our presbytery, the Holy Church of Kyrgyzstan. That's why we pray that God would make us a church planting church so that we can reach out into our community and offer the good news of the gospel in places where eternal suffering will be the end result if we don't combat it with the good news of the gospel. Look at what he says in verse 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now we could take that verse and preach a pretty macho sermon here on Mother's Day. But in studying this, I really don't think Paul is uh, being a male chauvinist. I don't think that he is um, really talking about, uh, you've got to be a strong man, you've got to be uh, fit, you've got to be um, tough. I don't think those are the implications that he's wanting us to see. Paul is exhorting the church to be watchful, to stand firm in the faith, he finishes it with, "Let all that you do be done." Got a couple of questions. Well, how did God love us? How does Jesus love us right now? I think that's the kind of love Paul is referring to, not the romantic uh, love that we've created in America through movies and and TV shows and the insanity of feelings, but a love that is a a fiercely obedient type of love. A love that shows a, a conviction of doing something no matter what the cost is kind of love. I think the Bible says greater love has No man than that who lays down his life for his friends. That kind of love. You see, a a love that is living obediently in a falling world, a love that shows how to die heroically in innocence, a love that says, I'm willing to die and be resurrected from the dead. I'm willing to ascend into heaven and rule and reign for all things to come to pass. A love that is just like 1 Corinthians 13. Do you remember that? From a few weeks back, maybe a few months. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says this about love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. That's the good church. Love never ends. God has so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Walk with me through verse 13. What's the first two words say? Be be watchful. Love is what? Patient. What do you do when you're patient? You watch and you wait. Be watchful, church. It's okay to just put your phone down. It's okay to not answer that text message. It's okay to not look at your emails or your Facebook or your Snapchat or your Twitter or whatever social media you don't understand. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay to open this book and to be watchful. Love is patient. What's the next stanza? Stand firm. In the faith. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. We're not to be selfish. We're not to be self-centered about our faith. Oh, I know this is true. Well, I know that this is how God operates. Well, this, if you would just do this, then you would be a better Christian. Stand firm in the faith. Don't stand firm in your knowledge. Don't stand firm in your wisdom. Don't stand firm in what you've done. Act like men. I think this would be better translated don't act like boys. Don't be childish. Act like grown men. I don't think he's at at church to Act like, um, uh, you know, these macho, tough guys. I think he's saying, don't deal in childish ways. Act like an adult. He encourages us to be watchful, to stand firm. Be watchful how we think and how we speak. To be strong really isn't muscle strong, but it's strong in our position in understanding, I know who the Lord is. I know what the Lord's done. I know what the Lord is doing and what He's promised to do. And that takes strength when you're living in a fallen world, when there's sin combating you on every angle, when the devil is prowling like a lion, ready to devour you. You must stand firm in the Word of God. Paul wants them to stand up against the false teachers. It takes an adult to be strong enough to willingly, lovingly stand up for the truth. Paul is encouraging Corinthians. He wrote a whole chapter on the importance act like men. It means we don't seek our own way. We're not childish. We're seeking God's way. When he says to be strong, he's saying don't be irritable or resentful. That's easy to do, church. How easy is it just to give in to your desire to slander someone or to talk rudely about them or to doubt them or to question their ethics or their morals or to just totally put them out? We do it every day. How do we combat? Realistically, we must be strong in who the Lord is. We must understand that the Lord will judge them, not us. It's easy to call them names, to badmouth them, But to not do that is to be strong your tongue, to hold your heart in a place of love for someone who is suffering. You may not know their story. You may not know their past. You may not know what they're wrestling with in the current moment, and yet you want to be the judge. Be stronger than that. This is why Jesus says you can do it. Because love never ends. There's no end to love. See, part of being a member of the church is submitting to not only the authority of Jesus Christ, but Paul says in verses 15 through 18, submit to these brothers. Submit to brethren like this. Submit to leaders. Trust their talents and their gifts. That's easy to say when you're a leader, right, in the church. Hey, trust us. God says so. It's a scary thing to be a leader in the church. I, I never, ever, 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 a lot of evers would have chosen to be a leader in the church. One, it's because Scripture warns that you're going to be judged twice as hard. The other is, it's hard for me to like people (laughs) sometimes. And as a leader in the church, you have to love people. And God has shaped me in ways that I've been able to do what I didn't think was possible. Because love never end i'm able to submit to my brothers in the lord i'm able to see wisdom from other sisters that i would have never had the patience or the kindness to have if i hadn't understood the love that christ that christ has for me the willingness for for christ to stand strong when he was tempted for 40 days. And he never gave in. He wanted you and I to have victory over sin. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these. Because they have for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. It's the church being the church. Committing to one another, loving one another, understanding that we are all co laborers in Christ. Paul is reminding the church at Corinth. You are not alone. Don't be the church alone. The churches of Asia send you greetings Aquila and Prisca together with the church in their house send you hearty greetings in the Lord all the brothers send you greetings greet one kiss Don't be church alone. I think this is one of his uh, strongest messages to the church at Corinth is don't infight. Don't worry about all of these things that you're worrying about. Uh, There's a larger mission. There's a larger church at work and you're a part of it. You're a vital part of it. Continue to be the church whether you're at home you're in the community. Continue to love one another with hearty greetings. I think that's one of the things I love about this church more than anything is when you see people, they love you. Our church is great at greeting one another heartily. The greeting with a one another with a holy kiss um, was a cultural thing for them. People of uh, the saying, greet one another with a holy kiss. It was their handshake. It was their hug. It was their high five. It was their fist bump. It was their oh, fill in the blank. It was just their way of saying, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so encouraged by you. How do we greet one another? How do we encourage one another? There's a, a, a tough application point that I'm going to throw at you this morning. Welcome those we don't know. Are we heartily greeting, heartily greeting those that we don't know? Are we just as anxious to give a handshake or a hug to that stranger that may just look different than us? Or that may just, I don't, I'm not going to go talk to that person first. We got to, church. We have to. We have to be the ones that extend the handshake, that extend the greeting. Here's why. Here's why we should, we should have, I should have so many people volunteering for nursery and children's church and teaching Sunday school. We should have so many people in the church volunteering to do their part that I have to turn people away and say, no, I have too many. I have too many. We should have have people's hearts swelled up to serve the Lord to such an extent that we literally have to say, you can't serve today. You're going to have to wait till next week. This is why. Think of the time when Paul was writing this. Think of the time in history when Paul was writing this letter. Do you remember Acts 18? If you're you're there, just look at it real quick. You remember the history of Paul. He was a persecutor. He was a killer of Christians. He drove people out of the church. In Acts 18... Paul came into the church not long after uh, all of his conversion. It says, he got angry at the Jews in the synagogue. And he says, and, and now I will go on to the Gentiles. Uh, 18, verse 6. And they were opposed and reviled him, and he shook out his garments, and he said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there, and he went to the house of a man named uh, Titus Justus, a worshiper of God, and his house was next door to the synagogue. And Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And then the Lord encouraged Paul and he gave him this note. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Paul's life was at stake. His very existence was at stake. He's in jail for a large portion of his life. Do you understand the importance of what he's trying to teach us? He's trying to show the church, how do you serve God? How do you make fellowship real? How do you greet one another? How do you honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? How do we live the Christian life as we ought. How do you do it, church? How do you live the Christian life as you ought? Fix our eyes upon Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. We're to stand firm in our faith. We're to be watchful. We're to act like men. We're to be adults. We're to be strong. Which means we don't give in to the desires of our flesh. And we're to let that we do be done out of love Listen to how Paul ends this letter. If I, I, Paul, write, and if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. In Christ Jesus. Out of the love of Christ, we have to accept Christ. We have to accept His love for us. Sometimes that's a hard thing to do. Sometimes we feel so unlovable and so unusable that we can't accept the love that Christ has for us. There's no way Christ, who is so holy and so perfect and so good, would want to love me. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. Paul says, if you have no love for the Lord, that you will be accursed. Don't believe the lie. Don't not. If you're here today, if you're sitting in here today, just not sure if if God wants to love you, I'm here to tell you that He does. I'm here to tell you that uh, you can love Him back. The power of the Holy Spirit will allow that to happen. My prayer is that you could accept His love. Once we accept God's love, It's impossible not to love God. It's impossible not to love other people. It's impossible not to live in a way that becomes a follower of Jesus. But we need help. We need brothers and sisters who correct us. We need brothers and sisters who come alongside and train us and and discipline us and, and encourage us and love on us. We're not alone in our journey. We're not a single church in our journey. We have a presbytery full of churches. We have a state full of churches. We have a nation. We have a world full of churches that are one in Christ. When we start thinking globally as the church, it's an amazing thought. There's an amazing power there that the Holy Spirit can all churches at all times. Not just this church at this time. For God loved the world that he gave us Jesus. This is the type of love Paul has exemplified to us. This is the type of love he wants us to exemplify to one another. Love that is like Jesus. Jesus came to earth. He gave up everything and submitted Himself to be sacrificed on a cross for you and for me. He bound the strong man to become the strong man. Jesus Christ. Laid down his life for you and for me. Willing to live that way for him. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to um, open your word. Lord, I pray that anything. Uh, that is not true, that is not profitable, would just be forgotten. God, that we would remember the truth of your word today. That we would meditate on it, that we would think about it, that we would uh, rest in it, knowing that uh, your word is true and that your love never ends. That the love of Jesus will go on for all eternity. That we can revel in the goodness of your love each and every moment of every day. That there's nothing that will separate us from your love. There's no height, there's no death, there's no nakedness, there's no famine. There's nothing that can separate us from your love. Oh God, would you let us leave this place knowing that we're loved, even though we're known. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank Thank you, you, David.